Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the Kettle Cast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. On this episode of the Cast, we're talking about the Hawks' 118 111 win over the Washington Wizards. The Hawks avenge a loss earlier this season as they get back to taking three point shots, getting to the free throw line, John Collins slinging some assists, and the Hawks are just have more positive energy back at the farm. Without further ado, let's get into it. Now that is the Hawks team that I was used to seeing last season. The games before this one, it really felt like the Hawks had devolved into the playoff basketball that they played during the postseason last year when they were facing tough teams, teams that you were seeing again and again in seven-game series, and teams that you needed to eke out every point you could. That meant that you were finding particular matchups and really attacking those. What um, that meant getting into the mid range and making shots and having your shot makers make any basket that was open to them, not just relying on three pointers or, or getting to the free throw line. But in the regular season, NBA basketball is different. It, it's been talked a lot about a lot that playoff basketball and regular season basketball are kind of almost two different sports. And I thought that the uh, Hawks had sort of just stuck with what worked in the postseason. And why not? It got them all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, it really pushed them to places that they hadn't been. But they needed to get back to that team that had started 8-0 under Nate McMillan once he got elevated to being head coach, that had really gotten going when Bogdan Bogdanovich got rolling, and sort of that fun basketball that you didn't know who every night was going to be the big shot maker. Of course, you have Trey and JC as sort of these cornerstones, and then Bogdan really came on late. But you could have players come in, and with all those injuries last season, you could have guys step up, whether it was Kevin Herter, um, Lou Williams coming in late. You just did not know where the scoring was coming from. And I thought the Hawks, during these first six games of the season, had sort of just settled for, hey, look, we're really good at making shots. Let's just get to that mid-range and make those shots. Hey, look, we're really good at um, our one and our one-on-one. We're, we're kind of out-talenting these other teams. We don't really need to move the ball around. And that's not to say they, they didn't have a lot of assists, that they weren't moving the ball at all, but the ball wasn't moving as much as it had been uh, previous seasons. And against this Wizard team, early on in the first quarter, it looked like the Wizards were going to once again be able to build a lead that they could just kind of keep as a buffer and, and hold the Hawks at arm's length. They built a lead. They got a 16-11 to 11 lead early in the first quarter. Um, but then the Hawks really did a nice job of Danilo Gallinari in particular, getting the ball moving, finding Gallinari and hitting some three-pointers. And the Hawks were able to walk out of the first quarter up 34-23 to in a nice turnaround. And I thought Bogdan Bogdanovich, sort of like he sparked the big run in the regular season last year, he had a big hand in sparking the run and just how the Hawks played against this Wizards team. Um, he talked about after the game how moving the ball, the ball has energy and it keeps everybody connected when everybody can touch the ball. And I thought, thought that the Hawks as a team did a much better job moving the ball, having everybody touch it. They had three players with six assists. Trey, of course, had six assists. John Collins got the ball moving, had multiple assists in, that, assists in that first quarter. And then Bogdan himself had six assists. So you could see that it was an emphasis to move the ball, really focus on getting good shots. The Hawks took 
um, 34 three-pointers. It's much better to see them with that 34 number. They made 13 of 34 for 38%. They have strong shooters everywhere. They're able to move the ball and get good look, high-quality looks. They don't need to just chuck up shots at the three-point line. And the Hawks really responded, and they made 13 of those 38 three-pointers. Um, and then they were able to get to the free-throw line. In the first half in particular, the Hawks were able to get to the free-throw line 20 times. Um, the Hawks and Wizards would combine to shoot 100% from the free-throw line. Hawks going 29 of 29 for the game. The Wizards going 16 of 16. That is a feat that has only happened five times in the history of the NBA. Both teams shooting 100% from the free-throw line. And the um, 45 combined made free throws with no misses is the highest total of those five games. So really strong shooting from the free throw line. Even Clint Capella made his two free throws. So you know if the Hawks are getting Clint Capella to make his free throws, there's a chance for something special to happen. But the Hawks got a lot of points from the three-point line and the free throw line. And so despite not shooting the ball nearly as well as they did, they had up in D.C. where they shot over 50%, they were able to get a win and really – kind of a comfortable win. They did give up 37 points in the second quarter. The Wizards were able to get things going and um, chip into that lead that the Hawks had built in that first quarter. And at halftime, it was 63 to 60. Hawks only up three points. Bradley Beal had gotten loose a little bit and scored 19 of his 24 points in the first half. Um, he really had a back and forth with Trey Young in that second quarter. It seemed to be a Bradley Beal come down, make a tough shot. Trey Young find a shot, whether it was at the basket. Um, Trey was really working the free throw line as well. Trey would have a strong effort. He played 36 minutes with 7 of 16 from the field, just 1 of 6 on his three-pointers. But he made 11 of 11 free throws. I think one um, change that Trey can make is if he wants to get to the free throw line, Teams are going to foul this Hawks team. There's especially when the ball is moving, and a lot of that movement is drive and kicks. The Hawks are going to get fouls. I mean, even John Collins was able to get six free throw attempts, and JC never gets any respect for the officials. So it's really encouraging to see John Collins get those free throws. But getting back to Trey, if he's not going to get the fouls actually shooting the ball, he needs to wait for the team to get into the bonus, and then any foul will get him to the free throw line. But I thought Trey did a nice job. He finished some shots. He was able to get some and ones where he made the floater, was fouled while he was shooting that shot, and then finished that. But he'd finished 11 of 11 from the free throw line for 26 points. He had four rebounds, six assists. He did have six turnovers, um, and it was plus 19 on this game, which was second overall. Of course, the guy who had number one overall was one uh, player we talked about a little bit earlier, Bogdan Bogdanovich. He was five of nine from the field, but four of those shots for three-pointers, four of six on his three-pointers for 16 points. Um, Bogdan had six rebounds, one of them offensive, and six assists, and he finished with a team-high plus 20 in the plus-minus um, statistics. I thought Bogdan was just doing a lot uh, positively on the court, whether it was on the defensive or offensive end of this floor. In particular, when the Hawks were down in that 11-16 to 16 spot, he was able to find Danilo Gallinari multiple times for open three-pointers and get guys going. And it's just, to see Bogdan out there, uh, his second year with the Hawks, he was being very vocal after the game. He was ve being very uh, deliberate with what he was saying, saying it was great for one game to have this energy and to really have our guys moving the ball and, and connecting 
with that energy um, to make sure that everybody was getting a chance to touch the ball. But it's only one game, and he does not want to see the team to get back into the sort of ISO ways that kind of stood out during those first six games of the season. But Bogdan played wonderfully. It was good to see him get the three ball going. When the ball is moving, um, there are times you can just see Bogdan spotted up on the three-point line, and when that ball is moving, you can find him, and he'll he'll make the shot. He has one of the best-looking shots on the Hawks team. Kind of every shot he takes looks like it's going in, um, and so it was a lot of fun to see him get it going. Him and Trey uh, have a little bit of a connection. There was a period in the third quarter where Bogdan found Trey Young for a deep three-pointer. Um, and then sort of the next play down, Trey had an amazing little loop pass. He was able to draw a couple defenders toward his side of the court. Bogdan was pretty deep behind the three-point line. And his defender, I think it was KCP, just looked at Trey Young. Trey threw this pass to Bogdan, and Bogdan buried the three-pointer. And the Hawks were able to keep the sort of 10-point cushion that they had built going into the fourth quarter. But really strong performance from Bogdan, and hopefully it's something we continue to see going forward. There was no Kevin Herter in this game. He was not even dressed to play. Uh, Nate McMillan said they were just giving Herter some rest. And going forward, the Hawks have a really tough stretch of schedule, and I expect to see Nate McMillan do that with different guys every night. I think having um, one guy sit out, just just be you're not playing tonight, get some rest, really kind of cleaned up the rotations. Uh, Nate McMillan went with a five-person rotation, uh, a 10-person rotation, a full second unit, and he did a nice job of mixing up. He actually closed the game with no Clint Capella on the court. It was Trey Young, Bogdanovich, uh, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, and John Collins, and I thought that grouping did a really nice job of finishing this game off. Uh, the Wizards were able to kind of chip away at a 14-point lead and get it all the way down to eight, even to seven at the end of the game. But even in possessions, offensive possessions, where the Hawks weren't able to convert and get any points, I thought the Hawks did a nice job of not settling and taking a shot early in the shot clock. I think even last year, Cam Reddish would be prone to getting a ball, and especially with the, as aggressive as he's been this season, you could expect him to go right to the rim as soon as he got to the ball, and even he was able to dribble the, dribble the ball out, make a couple passes, and again, if they weren't able to make the shot, they were at least draining a full 24 seconds off the clock. Getting to Cam, he came off the bench. He was 4 of 10 from the field, 3 of 6 on his three-pointers. He got to the free throw line four times. He finished the game with 16 points. Um he or 15 points he had four rebounds one offensive two assists one a really nice little behind the back not even really assist he sort of lost the ball dribbling and was able to get his hand behind his back and tap the ball to one of the bigs to lay it in and get points on it but I think that's the next step for Cam Reddish he's done such a good job and I think they've done a really nice job for Reddish of being like your role especially when you're on the second unit, is to score. And so he's been aggressive going to the basket, as evidenced by those four free throws he's able to get, going to the rim, or just taking the catch-and-shoot threes. Um, but then him adding some passing onto that, and I think the team in, in as a whole, you know, those driving kick passes just lead to much better shots. Um, but it was good to see Cam Reddish do that. I've talked a little bit about John Collins, and he didn't really bust up on the stat sheet. But he had uh, three of seven from the field, six of six on his free throws for 12 points. He had nine rebounds, two of, an off, of off, two of them offensive, 
and six assists, which tied a career high and one block. Um, John Collins, Trey talked about it after the game. I think Nate McMillan talked about it after the game. And this was something that Lloyd Pierce talked about last year. But they don't, there's not a lot of plays in the Hawks' playbook that are like, let's get this to John Collins. There's a couple of out-of-bounds plays. In particular, the Hawks have done a nice job of finding John Collins for dunks um, under the other team's basket. But there's not a lot of plays in the flow of the game that, that are designed specifically for J.C. Um, and he's still able to get his game going just because of how well he sets screens, how well he rolls to the basket, and his offensive rebounding. And his passing is something that I think I don't talk about enough. I, I want him to shoot more three-pointers. I don't normally talk about his passing. But to start this game, he had about four assists in the first quarter and it was just finding Clint Capella. And he John Collins was asked after the game, you know, is that just getting to know Clint Capella? This is CC's second year on the team. Have you just gotten more comfortable with him? And John, I thought, had a really interesting response where he said, you know, that's just big to big passing. And I think that's something that really can help a team out. And I'd like to get better at that. And that is something that I've been working on. And um, I'm happy to make the right play. Um, a couple of his passes were really good little He'd have the big man, whether it was Montrez Harrell or Daniel Gafford, come and challenge his shot. He was able to get it to Clint Capella. But he also had just a stunning pass where he faked a handoff at the elbow to um, DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter keeps going to the basket, and John Collins sort of follows him and throws a pass. I'm really not sure how he got the pass in there. He bends down, throws this nice bounce pass, and DeAndre is able to go in for the layup. So just... A great game from John Collins after he early, you know, against the Wizards up in DC, he was able to be 14 of 16 from the field. It was nice to see him affect the game in other ways and just um, really good passing from John Collins. And hopefully that's another thing that continues going forward. Hunter played 27 minutes. He was five of 11 from the field, just one of four on his three pointers for 11 points. He had two rebounds and two steals. He's primarily guarding. Uh, Bradley Beal, who again got loose in the first half for 19 points, but then just put up five in the second half. A lot of that goes to DeAndre Hunter. Um, he, his passing is not quite where it was at the end of last season. Uh, I think they're kind of giving him and Cam Reddish same roles on offense where it's like, y'all get the ball, be aggressive, go to the basket. Y'all are two strong players. So Jay, uh, DeAndre just continues to to grow in that area. Um, and finally, Clint Capella, after sort of not really being the Clint Capella we had come to uh, expect after last season, he was 7 of 9 from the field, hit his two free throws for 16 points. He had 12 rebounds, four of those offensive, um, one assist, a steal, and two blocks. Just good to see CC get back to the uh, playing like he is. He often, um, when teammates get in the ball under the basket, will go for a reverse of some sort or try to get the ball up. Uh, using the rim to protect him, and he doesn't like using the glass as much as I'd like him to, but if Clint Capella is going to sh- get 16 points on se- 7 of 9 shooting, there's not a lot to complain about and continue to play the good defense we've come used to from the Swiss bank. Uh, off the bench, Danilo Gallinari had a little bit of a bounce-back game. He was 4 of 10, just like Cam Reddish. All four of his makes coming behind the three-point line. He was 4 of 7 from 3. He had five rebounds four of them offensive. The Hawks did a much better job on the board against the Wizards. They actually out-rebounded the Wizards 47-36 to and then beat the Wizards on the offensive glass as well, getting 13 offensive boards compared to just seven from the Wizards. That was an area where the Wizards absolutely 
destroyed the Hawks up in D.C. Um, an interesting stat from those games is after the Hawks had done so well in the paint against the Wizards up in D.C., of course, that was in a loss, um, the Hawks were outscored 48-42 to in the paint. And I think that goes back to the Hawks really focusing on getting those shots out at the perimeter and hitting three-pointers. Um, and then also, after holding the Wizards to a goose egg in fast break points up in Washington, uh, the Wizards had 15 points in fast break in this one. And it didn't really matter as the Hawks were able to to get the 118 to 111 win. Um, the one area I think the Hawks need to clean up, con to continue to clean up, they're making more passes. They had 24 assists, but they had 11 turnovers in those 28, 24 assists. Um, and the Wizards had seven steals, which, which contributed to that. Um, but the bench came in and did a nice job. They actually were outscored by the uh, Wizards bench, not by much, but they lost that battle 37 to 40. Um, Cam Reddish, of course, continuing to put up points with his 15 points off the bench. Danilo Gallinari getting um, all four of his makes, 12 points from the three-point line, and then, you know, smaller contributions from DeLon Wright, Lou Williams, and Gorgie Ding. I wonder if going forward again, if Nate McMillan just rotates who's sitting out every game to kind of clean up the rotations and just keep it to a 10-man rotation. But the Hawks did a wonderful job really establishing themselves early. They did have a, they gave up 37 points in that second quarter, which is something that they're going to have to really limit, but they turned it around and just gave up 17 points in the third. Um, and they got a big win. I, I thought this little losing streak could have spiraled out of control. You know, you go up, play the Wizards, lose there, go into Philadelphia, lose there, and you're facing the same Wizards team. Although the Wizards got uh, Spencer Dinwiddie back and Daniel Gafford, two of their starters. Um, but the Hawks come back and defend home court. And uh, both Trey and John Collins talked about how Nick McMillan has made it an emphasis of wanting to protect home court and wanting State Farm Arena to really mean something for the fans and for teams coming into play. So really good to see the Hawks really um, come out and have a good effort on the offensive and defensive in the floor. For the Wizards, they got another good performance from Bradley Beal. Again, 19 of his 24 points coming in the first half. He had two rebounds three assists, and two steals. Um, Kyle Kuzma, another solid game from him, 18 points on 7 of 15 shooting and 6 rebounds. Spencer Dinwiddie bounced back with a double-double. Um, it was interesting seeing him back in the, the lineup for the Wizards. He was 14 points, 10 assists. I kept expecting to see Ish Smith come in for the Wizards, and Ish Smith is a guy who just always destroys the Hawks. And when the Wizards were able kind of to push this game, they were able to get it as close as seven a couple times in that fourth quarter. Never really break through there. It was like, oh, God, it's Ishmael going to come in. And Spencer Dinwiddie wasn't quite able to, to provide that bounce back. But uh, I thought he was very solid with 14 points and 10 assists. And then Montrez Harrell came off the bench. He still played 33 minutes. He had 13 points, eight rebounds, and three assists. He had no blocks. Um, and, again, I thought that the Hawks were just – doing a much better job on the boards, getting much better looks, whether it was at the perimeter or in the paint, kind of right at the basket. Again, the Hawks were able to get to the free throw line, 29 free throws attempts, and to make all of them, the Hawks were one of the top teams not only getting to the free throw line, but making their free throw shots. In a couple of these earlier games, you saw games where the Hawks shot 50% from the free throw line, shot sub-70% from the free throw line, and that just wasn't a Hawks team that we saw last year. So really good to see... The Hawks bounce back from that and 
get a big win at State Farm Arena. Now, their next game is against the Brooklyn Nets, who haven't quite gotten off to the start that they expected to, but that game is Wednesday at State Farm Arena, and here at the Kettlecast, we will be back to cover and give you our analysis of that game after that. Go Hawks! Thank you for catching this episode of the Kettlecast. You can reach me at kettlecast at gmail.com. Go Hawks!